Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Today I've been spending most of my time preparing for my trip to Ukraine, which is going to happen very soon. I'll get more onto this tomorrow, but yeah, we have quite a lot of plans. It's going to be a pretty hard trip. We're going to go, well, quite close to danger. I'm gonna, I have some accounting to do for you and, and all that stuff, but that's all for tomorrow because today I still have some, some things to finalize. However, well, can't leave you without news because interesting stuff has been happening. Ukraine has been pushing onwards in Kherson region with more footholds. You know, they've established footholds, grabbed, as far as I see it, four more villages, pushing out and causing a saturation of their own forces. To the point where, actually, Russian military reporters and, and fighters in the ground, well, they spent yesterday discussing the probability of Russia withdrawing from Kherson. Which is, again, interesting, because all of this is becoming more and more active. Since, for one... Well, apparently yesterday, two cars of Russian propagandist Dmitry Kiselyov burned down down in Crimea. And, uh, well, Wagner has been pushing even more for, um, for, for their kind of recruitment in prisons. But yesterday, really, that was really awesome since um, three kind of exchange happened on Telegram between three large Russian military reporters and fighters, Rybak, Vyennyas Medvedevichel, and the Grey Zone. That was the Wagner page there. First of all, Ribar posted, quote, Will Kherson and Zaporozhye be surrendered? This is probably the most popular question in our feedback bot right now. Since we, to put it mildly, are tired of answering it non-publicly, let's say like it is here. Much has changed since the events of the, in the Kharkiv region. If the withdrawal of troops from the Kiev, Chernihiv and, and Sumy regions could still, could still be accepted with difficulty, and the exodus from Snake Island could be explained by tactical necessity, then with the Kharkiv region it turned out much worse. Selfies of the armed forces of Ukraine against the background of poster, post, posters together with Russia forever, filtration measures and reprisals against collaborators, and a whole series of Russophobic information campaigns, you, already, you all know this. Therefore, now we will focus on Kherson and Zaporozhye. Ribar states that, uh, quote, Objective reasons why surrendering of the regions is not planned. First of all, they mention money. Quote, A large-scale campaign is underway to privatize both state property and private property of Ukrainian businessmen who are in no hurry to enter Russian-controlled territories. Tenders are being announced for the restoration of settlements and infrastructure. Not even a tenth of the sums that are now allocated in the south were spent on projects in the Kharkiv region. 2. Saturation of the region with troops. Volunteer formations, which are the part of the 3rd Army Corps, are already reinforcing units of the Russian Federation Armed Forces holding the line. Yes, there are not enough forces to carry out, carry out an offensive on a wild, wide front line, but compared to what the picture was of the regions a month and, half ago, month and a half ago, the density of the concentration of troops in certain areas has increased 3 to 4 times. In addition, the process of formation and recruitment of the 4th Army Corps has already begun, uh, at least on paper. I really like how these Russian guys add, at least on paper here. And then finally they state, no step back. Last week, all units in the Donbass in the south received the command, no step back. It was ordered to keep the occupied lines at all costs. It remains to be hoped that how, and, and seen how the main task is to reduce the offensive potential of the armed forces of Ukraine and try to seize the initiative.
Civilian units, yes, have been given instructions in case of forced evacuation, but this is a normal practice. Unfortunately, in the Kharkiv region, everything turned out badly. Now, well, they basically state that um, why the region is still at risk as well. Number one, the numerical superiority of the armed forces of Ukraine and the strike potential of the West. And they state that, unfortunately, in Ukraine, they, the West can, and Ukraine can afford to overcome the defense of the formations of the Russian Federation Armed Forces with mobilized meat, regardless of losses. If this is multiplied by the practically limited channels for the supply of weapons, equipment and ammunition, we can come to a simple conclusion. There is a war of annihilation. But also it means saturation of the Western military-industrial complex with orders for decades to come. On the other side, everything that is happening, uh, for everything that is happening, you know, for the military-industrial complex, there is a chance to make money in the war. And unfortunately, if more radical measures are not taken to mobilize production, the economy, the Russian forces, we may at some point be overwhelmed with this meat. I like how they call Ukrainian warriors meat. And then, well, they of course complain about Putin again. At least, what we know he wants to do. The subject of no negotiations. The liberated buffer territories, no matter how cynical it may sound, may remain the subject of bargaining for politicians. The only question is how high the stakes will be when one of the parties wants to fix the state of affairs and freeze the front for a new breakthrough. And then, Ribar, after mentioning all the states, there will be no conclusion from us. However, basically, Viennius Medivice, another Telegram channel, responded to them. Colleagues, it seems to us that the question of the reasons for the surrender of certain settlements or even entire areas lies not at all in the area of planning. Therefore, it's not entirely correct to use arguments of Russia taking roots in these territories and demonstrating the absence of any plans for leaving. First of all, none of the routes of the Russian Federation Armed Forces obviously was originally planned, but was carried out due to many mistakes, overestimation of oneself and underestimation of the enemy, including in the Kharkiv region. And then, well, they kind of move on, stating that about this region from, from the Grey Zone channel. And, uh, well, uh, I won't read everything in full because I have other things to do, to do today. However, they state that... Um, also, the enemy, for some miraculous reason for them, unlike us, does not always try to smash into our fortified areas and does not hesitate to bypass them and does not lose personnel in senseless frontal attacks. The main task for the armed forces of Ukraine now is to completely disrupt the supply of our group of, of troops on the right, right bank of Dnieper, which will be equal to the withdrawal of the contingent from there and the onset of battles for Kherson. And if there is an offensive in this area, then it will come from the side of the Kharkovka Reservoir, the Novo Ostronka Novo Ostronskovka and Oskurovka regions. Sooner or later, this will certainly happen, and I feel this will happen before the spring of 2023. And there he continues again. Basically, in these very kind of, well, respectable by Russian sources at least, channels, there is a bit of a discussion about not if, but when the Kherson fight will intensify. And it's kind of getting more and more dangerous every day since. Ukraine has been busy since their latest offensive at, well, expanding, expanding, expanding their footholds and uh, becoming more active in the preparation of the next stage of their assault. In the meantime, in the political news, Alla Pogacheva just uh, came out and stated that she wants to be declared a foreign agent together with her husband, Maxim Galkin. Because Maxim Galkin, her husband, he's a comedian, 
he had already been declared a foreign agent by Russia. He's not in Russia anymore. He now lives in Latvia. Great guy, actually. And he's been criticizing Putin and the war for a long time now. And that's the thing. Alla Pugacheva here is a special case, since you in the West might not know her, but um, she kind of symbolizes the whole USSR for um, for the whole target target demographics of Putin's supporters. You know, people in their 50s or something, because Alla Pugacheva became super famous in the Soviet Union already, and then her popularity only grew. She's kind of the living embodiment of the Soviet nostalgia for a lot of these people, who are the central supporters of of Putin's regime. And, you know, she's been living with this unwritten agreement with Putin for so long as she hadn't criticized the war, she hadn't criticized Putin himself. Well, not in some certain terms. She had been, she had been somewhat neutral, but that's because she has a lot to lose because she's some sort of like a, a living legend in the post-Soviet sphere. But now, when someone in the whole, you know, Putin's regime have decided to kind of put some clamps on her and her family, even though, you know, they also have homes here in Latvia where they spend some time, and she's very well known, but our own celebrities, Alla Pugacheva is really kind of an important person. Now she's come out on the Instagram, which is, by the way, still prohibited in Russia, and stated that she would also like to, like to be stated that she is also apparently a foreign agent. Which is interesting, since... If Putin actually does declare her a foreign agent, no matter what, what what is explained in the propaganda videos and what's happening everywhere, yeah, that just won't work. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Ala Pogacheva is, in these areas, a celebrity to the same extent as, I don't know, Michael jo- like. Michael Jackson was was in, was in the West or something. It, it's like Elton John or, or or that level of just super classic old school celebrities, and that's another kind of point of contention there. Of course, no one really knows whether or not Putin will actually turn her into a foreign agent, since that alone would be a massive damage would be massive damage to Putin's own credibility among his chief supporters. But just you know, just another little thing to be added to the whole kind of mess that Putin has gotten himself in. 
Mongol fighters basically, well, Wagner Group is still continuing to fight on. They're more or less organized. They're one of these mercenary companies who've been spreading around their their recruitment uh, posters and everything. And they're the ones that are going around Russian prisons and, and doing everything. And, um, well, we recently found an explanation about why is there such a need to recruit convicts to this Wagner private, mil- private warfare company. And this comes from um, one Leon1967 on the Russian Live Journal. He basically is a volunteer that works helping Russian soldiers deliver medicine kits. And he previously shared his account of the Battle of Rubizhny in March and occasionally writes opinions. And he basically gave his explanation, which I find quite interesting. Quote, No doubt, if I, if I were a convict, I would dream of joining this friendly team in order to be able not only to pay my debt to the motherland, but also to repay it with interest. And the last remark, those who do not want private warfare companies to fight, the prisoners who talk about this topic, who do not want to do anything, and in principle who do not like this topic, send your children to the front line. It's either the private, mil- private warfare companies and prisoners, or your children, decide for yourself. That's from Wagner Group, and he comments, Master of Demagogy, that can't, uh, can't take that away. But the questions arise. Why does the proposed choice is about our children, and not the children of Prigozhin and other elites? What does the assassination of Mosgovoy and the ensuing attempt to disarm Prizrak Battalion, for example, have to do with patriotism and service to the motherland? 3. Why is the recruitment of convicts presented as an alternative to mobilization? Are the Wagner Group and other warfare companies now divisions, or what? Number 4. LDPR and DPR Mobics, fighters of the Russian armed forces and reserve troops, BARS, volunteer battalions, recruited convicts, are they from incubators or do they also have parents? He states, everything is simple. Musicians, which is nicknamed for Wagner group, arrived in Luhansk around mid-March. The approximate number of their contingent at that time was about about, uh, 1,500 people. It's a regiment, but a castrated one. There's a lot of infantry, little armor, artillery and other things. They were not prepared for such a war. Their task was to chase, well, as he puts it, and I quote here, their task was to chase Negroes and to take away oil fields in favor of hucksters. And quote, yeah, it's like I mentioned previously, you know, at this point Dugan wants to blame Western West for racism. Even this is like just the casual stuff that happens on Russian uh, pro-war posts. Just saying these things I kind of have to quote to make you guys understand who is the real racist in this whole situation, can, can, can continue carrying on. In the first couple of weeks, they suffered huge losses in Papasna, killed, wounded, and refuseniks. Gradually, in the course of hostilities, the professional dogs of war started running out, and there was nothing to replenish them with. Thus, the task has been set, the budgets have been assigned, the star of the hero of Russia has been awarded, but there are not enough performers. That is why social networks are now flooded with military romantic advertisements for private warfare companies designed for juvenile fuckers and the surge goes through prisons. Requirements for applicants are sharply reduced, because not professionals are required, but meet for the assault infantry. Of course, the recruitment of convicts and private warfare companies is not an alternative to mobilization. They carry out assault missions in very narrow directions there. The entire burden of the war is being carried by the very iron helmets, the mobilized men of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics. And here a question should be asked to the owners of Prigozhin. How did it happen that you started the war, having cartoons instead of a combat-ready army, since now you have to recruit repeat offenders? However, However, interestingly enough, I also think that these repeat offenders are um, 
a bit overblown currently. Since, well, among the people that I know personally and have some contact with, uh, you know, there are those in some certain organizations with, um, let's just say, different roles and different tasks, and one, and there is one, well, Grisha Moskovsky. He's uh, not the topmost authority of, uh, well, you would call them legitimate businessmen in the West, but he's basically the tradition keeper, a respectful person, and he had posted... He had posted around that, um, well, those who agree in prisons to go to war for Prigozhin's troops would automatically become bladi. That's a very serious accusation, because, you know, he knows his traditions and prison culture stuff, so, uh, yeah, that's straight to a pushinly to the lowest case of uh, prisoners. That shouldn't come lightly. And although he's not the top dog authority, the very fact that he has stated this, and uh, apparently still is alive and kicking... Well, he doesn't care about going to prison, because that, you know, he'll probably survive there and his business won't suffer. But the fact that he hasn't been um, deleted by the Bratva alone shows that uh, what they think about the whole situation without, you know, saying anything openly. Because if you hadn't listened to my Soviet prisons episode, uh, prison culture episode, you know, I've been advertising that one on my show for a while. You probably should go and check it out. But uh, this... This message has gone through Russian prisons, so I bet that uh, very few and only the most desperate in there who could call themselves uh, order-loving muziki, the order-loving people who adhere to this whole prison code, would actually go and join, because, yeah, if you do, oh boy, uh, then, you know, on on some certain level of existence, it might even be better for you to just not even care about, um, about your life going forward, so you can't even say that uh, the prisoners themselves are very active at grabbing all these opportunities. But yeah, that's that's it for today, and uh, tomorrow we'll look at maybe there's some actual major advances. These are being prepared, which is why I'm also going specifically to the Herson district to that front line very soon, but I'll explain all this tomorrow since I have a lot of paperwork to do. And, well... We'll see if there are any other major events happening in, in Russia and in Ukraine surrounding this war. Of course, Russia has, um, once again, you know, uh, bombed, shot at uh, Azov prisoners in another camp. One has died. They've shot at uh, Donetsk with, with mines again. Of course, they're blaming Ukraine. They're providing no evidence. And, of course, they will not let an independent investigation do anything. But uh, there are some moves to show that this is probably to justify their own, you know, atrocities in Izium. Because, hey, they can claim that uh, they can shoot at impunity if there are some, you know, nice little civilian casualties because, well, apparently some explosions happened in a supermarket and some people died. And I would be super happy if I'd saw some proof, but uh, haven't really. But yeah, that's just an end note here since that just popped up as I was recording. But yeah, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a bigger explanation and accounting on my own trip to Ukraine. And let's see what happens. Das Vidanyi Tvarish. And remember, happiness is mandatory.